The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. 800-600-8192. The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in things that never change. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Hi, everybody. I am your rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, reminding you that the more that things change, the more we need to depend on those things that never change. And one of the things that never changes is that uh, money and male-female relationships are joined together. As a matter of fact, if you can only teach your kids two things, what you want to teach them is how money works and how male-female relationships work. Everything else is optional. The ballet lessons are optional. Everything else is optional. And uh, those are the two areas that are critically important and uh, and, and they are joined together, inevitably. You cannot possibly separate them. Mm-hmm. And I explain just why that is. How? Well, it turns out that last Friday, uh, July 21st, um, I gave a speech in Las Vegas for a big gathering of... Uh, um, it, it was a financial conference specifically of libertarians. And so uh, it, was, um, it was a lot of fun. It was a very interesting gathering. And uh, I found the response to, to my talk fascinating because libertarians are not necessarily comfortable with a religious um, uh, take on things, I mean, mainly because what religion does is introduce a system of rules and rituals and restraints on what uh, libertarians might well think of as their sort of natural liberties. But nonetheless, um, it uh, it was it was very well received, and I had an opportunity to talk to a lot of folks afterwards who were very intrigued and wanted to ask questions, and wanted to buy my book. We sold an awful lot of books there as well, so all of that made it for a wonderful trip. I also got to see a few things around Las Vegas because um, the uh, conference didn't end until it was too late. You see, I have to be wherever I'm going by sunset on Friday because I I observe the scriptural Sabbath on Friday night, and there was no way I was able to get anywhere. So I stayed in Las Vegas for the Sabbath, and I had an opportunity uh, to spend it with uh, a uh, a very uplifting and delightful small Jewish community. Um, in Las Vegas, and um, and um, got to know a lot of interesting people. So, and then I flew out early, early, early Sunday morning. Um, I don't think I've ever seen any airport anywhere in the world quite as busy as I saw Las Vegas at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. It's it <laughs> amazing. But I will say this, that uh, the airport was efficient. The people working there were courteous and competent. I've never seen TSA work like that anywhere else in the world. Um, I've got to think that uh, maybe descendants of Mayor Lansky and Bugsy Siegel got hold of the TSA and said, don't you start uh, making trouble for our customers because 
Well, we all got shuffled through there mighty quickly and mighty efficiently. Okay, let's dive right in. I've just been introduced and I've just taken on the microphone. I hope you enjoy. I'll be with you at the end of the segment in, in a few minutes' time. Um, just one thing, uh, I'm hoping this isn't the last time you introduce me for an event. And um, when you do, when you, you promise the audience a, uh, an exciting and lively speech, I can only go down from there. And so what I'm hoping is that next time you introduce me, set the expectation bar real low. Remember B&B, &B, bland and boring. You, what you want to say is Rabbi Daniel Lappin, among all the rabbis I know, is among the most bland and boring speakers I know. We hope today will be different. And, and that way you give me a chance. So just a tip for, for next time we're together. So, um, you know, my, my worry was, I mean, as, as everybody knows, the topic was just a get you in here topic. I mean, obviously I'm not talking about sex and money, right? Uh, the subject obviously is Etruscan middle period pottery. And, um, but I knew that, that if I advertised it as middle period Etruscan pottery, all we do is attract the, the clowns and creeps and crooks and cranks of society. And so I thought, let me talk about something, at least in advertising, about the things that really matter uh, to most people, like sex and money, in fact. Because when you think about it, um, most of our relationships, the meaningful relationships that, that we have in life, um, are relationships that are either created by sex, which means family, right? Because family at its root is something that is created by the sexual bond to begin with. And so the most meaningful connections we enjoy are typically family connections. And the other one is, is money connections. Now, many people have learned the wisdom of not doing business with your friends. But the corollary of that is that it is wonderful to make friends of your business associates. And many of us have done that. Many of us do that regularly. Uh, the, the people we, we partner with, our clients and our customers, um, the, the, the people that, that we work with, our employers, our employees, uh, when these relationships are mutually profitable over a period of time, you end up being friendly with these people. And so relationships caused by money or relationships caused by sex tend to be uh, central in sculpting the shape of our lives. Now, not to diminish the importance of friends, obviously. Uh, friends are, are a very special category, a very wonderful category. However, uh, a, a major disservice was done to society by a sitcom that ran on NBC for 10 years from 1994 called Friends, of course. And if, if you were an ardent devotee of, um, uh, uh, of uh, Rachel and David, uh, or not David, David's the actor, but all, all those care, you can tell I was not a particularly ardent devotee, but I knew enough about it to know that uh, it misportrayed reality uh, in a very serious and damaging way. It actually suggested, and if you watched a few episodes, you very much got that idea, that friendships were more important than family and more important than work connections. In fact, 
How often do you ever see any of those characters at work? At best, it's a little cameo shot to bring out a particularly humorous fiasco. But ordinarily, all you see them is interacting as friends. Uh, family relationships, when they do show up, uh, father is usually a bit of a buffoon. But there is no sense that family relationships are at the core or that financial relationships are at the core. It's as if friendships are all that matter and that they transcend the relationships of family and, uh, and finance. Uh, again, anybody who's lived more than a couple of years in the real world knows that this is far from the truth. That's simply not how the world really works. Uh, the one thing that friends did portray accurately, by the way, was the sheer horror and shock that women experience when they discover that their guy friends actually want to sleep with them. Raising the entire question of platonic friendships. But nonetheless, the fact remains that these two areas primarily relationships produced by the sexual bond and relationships produced by financial related connections, these two bonds are really critical for life. Just think about this. What would you call somebody who has a joyous and fulfilling family life and who has zero financial worries? Would you not call such a person blessed? Think about it. You've got a great family life, and you've got no money worries. Is there anything to whine and complain and grumble about in life? I don't think so. Now, you might say health is another one, and you'd be absolutely right. However, one of the things that uh, we now know beyond any shadow of a doubt is the significance of what some people call holistic medicine. The idea that psychosomatic disorder is a reality. The idea that placebos, what? Placebos? Yes, they actually work. In other words, one of the things we now know is that people with no stress, no financial stress, and people with strong family connections do much better health-wise than everybody else. And so while there obviously are things like bad luck and genetic uh, problems and things happen, but by and large, if you have a great family life and you've got no money worries, the odds are you've got everything lined up for good health as well. And so it's really a, a wonderful thing, but it all revolves around sex and money. And one of the things that interests me is that um, you know, uh, Floyd and I both lived in the Seattle area for many years where Boeing builds airplanes. Now, when you buy, if you're an airline and you buy an aircraft from Boeing, here's one thing you never hear from them. And that is that when you take over the airplane, they say to you, listen, you've got about a 98% chance of this plane flying safely and remaining airborne. They don't say that. As a matter of fact, everybody knows the safety statistics of airlines. Barring pilot error, barring disastrous things happening, airplanes stay in the air what percentage of the time? 
100%. It's a remarkable thing, but it's true. Not counting the Titanic, ships tend to stay afloat. They just do. What percentage of ships? Actually about 100% of them. Right, when, when a cruise liner runs into a rock off the coast of Italy, pilot error. But other than that, ships work 100% of the time. Barring 9-11, tall buildings stand 100% of the time. If anybody experienced any of the significant earthquakes felt in Los Angeles and, and California, in, in uh, San Francisco, over the last few decades, the terrifying movement of the earth is such that you fully expect that when it's all over, you're going to look out the window and see all the tall buildings of the city lying in rubble. Doesn't happen. Buildings stand pretty much 100% of the time. All of these things are remarkable human accomplishments. However, what is the success rate of starting a business to try and make some money? Well, there we go. That was the first 10 minutes of the speech, and uh, we'll continue with it in just a moment. The, the website, of course, that I always invite you and entreat you and beseech you to visit is rabbidaniellappin.com, where this week uh, we have available on a special price for your entertainment and education uh, an audio program called Boost Your Income three spiritual strategies for success and uh, it is exactly what it sounds like uh, we focus here not on investment wisdom not on getting out of debt wisdom but on increasing your revenue basically bringing home more money every week every month uh, there are right ways to do it and there are wrong ways to go about it we talk about those on this uh, audio program so go to my website rabbidaniellappin.com and uh, take a look at boost your income i think you'll find it to be a very worthwhile investment of a few dollars um, let's take a quick break and then when we come back i'll continue right where we left off on the speech that i gave last friday in las vegas nevada ancient solutions to modern problems this is rabbi daniel lapin on demand on the blaze radio network if you're in the market for a new mattress casper.com slash rabbi should be the next website you visit casper created an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price it's one perfect mattress and it's sold directly to you eliminating the need to endure one of those commission salesman mattress stores with inflated prices Casper is shipped for free right to your door, astonishingly delivered in a sleek, how did it fit in there box? You just let it unfold and there you have it, one of the most supportive sleep surfaces ever designed, hassle-free. Casper is made in America and Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Breathable latex and memory foams are combined for just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights free and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Right now, get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rabbi. That's casper.com promo code rabbi. Terms and conditions apply. casper.com slash rabbi. Revealing how the world really works. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin, on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. We're back on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, everybody, and thanks so much for being part of the show. 
Um, so as we finish the, the first segment of the speech, I had just asked what the success rate of starting a business is typically. And as I'm sure you already know, it's, it's not great. But uh, I was, as you could hear, making the comparison between the success rate in starting a business when compared to the success rate when building an airplane or a bridge or a skyscraper or a boat for that matter. Anyways, all of that uh, we pick up with now, right now as the speech continues. 100%? Not even close. Perhaps 50%. It's hard to get the exact numbers because there are lots of ways of measuring it, but honestly, if you say about 50% of uh, startup companies fail, you'd be about right. What about marriages? What percentage of marriages make it and endure? People say 50%, it's not absolutely accurate uh, because the statistics are distorted. Originally it was done by the New York Times and they distorted it for very interesting reasons. They distorted it by lumping all marriages together. So in other words, uh, third marriages do have a worse record than first marriages substantially. So they lumped them all together and they got a number of 50%. Actually somebody over here, I just heard somebody say, it's much closer to 60% uh, of the number of marriages that make it. Still, it's nowhere near 100%. Now look, what's easier, building a skyscraper, an aircraft, or a ship, or meeting somebody and standing in front of a rabbi or a pastor, letting him mumble a few words, and hey, you're married, which is easier? Why is it that the latter is so much more perilous than the former? Starting a business. <laughs> Do you know how many books there are on the shelves of your local Barnes & Noble if you're still lucky enough to have one? Do you know how many books there are about business, starting a business, running a business? It's one of the biggest categories on Amazon. There really is no shortage of information on the topic. There is certainly no less information out there about starting a business than there is about building an aircraft or building a ship. Yet, you start a business and you've got a 50% chance of failure. What is it with these two things? What's going on here? And the difference, I would submit, is that building an aircraft, a skyscraper, or a ship is fundamentally a materialistic activity. By, me, by which I mean to say that the activity can be measured in a laboratory at every step of the process. You can test the aluminum of which you're building the aircraft, you can test the plans, you can put a wind tunnel in place, you can test every aspect as you progress building your skyscraper ship or aircraft. But a marriage is different. There is no instrument in any laboratory of the world that can measure the progress of a couple trying to build a marriage and trying to build a family. Doesn't exist. How about building a business? Same thing. Yes, we have certain measures. We can measure the bottom line. But for goodness sake, Amazon didn't have a bottom line in the black for seven years. If you would have based it purely on that metric, Amazon had no future. We all know that not to be the case. Business and marriage seem to occupy a strange zone in human affairs. And that zone 
is the zone that butts up against what I call the spiritual. Now, when I say spiritual, please understand, I'm not speaking as a rabbi. I'm speaking as somebody who earned his living as an electrical engineer. I'm speaking purely materialistically here. When I say something is materialistic, it can be measured in a lab. When I say something is spiritual, it cannot be measured in a lab. Spiritual is not a word that implies a value. There's good spiritual, there's evil spiritual. Spiritual is simply something that cannot be measured in a lab. A saxophone can be measured in a lab. You can weigh it. You can find out what alloy of brass it's manufactured from. A tune is spiritual. There is no machine on the planet that can listen to a tune and tell you whether that tune is going to make people happy or sad, or it's going to make people want to dance, or it's going to make men want to march off to war. The magic of music is spiritual and it takes place deep within the human soul. Marriage and money are spiritual phenomena. As a matter of fact, with money, it is almost impossible to decide what it really is. After all, is it the discs of metal clinking in your pocket? Is it the strips of colored paper in your wallet? I'm sorry, I'm, I hope, I don't know if I'm doing that. Is it, um, uh, is it the orientation of iron oxide molecules on the back of your credit card? What is money? And if I shake your hands and say, I'll pay you $10 on Friday, isn't that money? Money is a spiritual measure of the extent to which one human being serves another or others. That's all that money is. I know that that's not the definition they told us back in econ Economics 101, but it's the true measure of money. Measure. Money is a means of exchange. Forget all that. Money is a measure of the extent to which you have done something for other people. And the proof of that is very simple. I'm not going to ask you to take out dollar bills out of your pocket because I know you'll be worried that I'll then ask you to pass them up to the front. So I'm not going to do that. But if you did look at your dollar bill and I asked you where you got it from and you did not tell me you robbed somebody or you held up a convenience store, you mugged a little lady and took her pocketbook, then I can tell you where you got that dollar bill from. You got it from pleasing another human being. It might have been a boss, it might have been a customer, it might have been a client, it might have been a family member, but somebody who was not at the point of your gun voluntarily placed that money in your pocket. And that was only because you made them happy. Money is spiritual. And the relationship between a man and a woman that starts off in a sexual relationship and results in a marriage and subsequently a family is something entirely different. There was a wonderful uh, social anthropologist who, uh, if you remember any names at all from, from today's session, remember Joseph Daniel Unwin, who was a, a 20th century um, uh, sociologist and anthropologist at Oxford and Cambridge Universities in the United Kingdom. And uh, one of the things that makes him so remarkable, and by the way, puts him in bad favor in today's academy to the extent that an anthropology major or a sociology major in any major American university has never heard of this man, only because of what I'm about to tell you. 
the major work, Sex and Culture, of, Stanley, of Joseph Daniel Unwin, uh, showed and proved beyond a shadow of a doubt his basic postulate, which is that the primary determinant of whether a culture moves forward towards civilization and economic development is the extent to which they practice sexual restraint. When a culture practices monogamy, that sets them on the path to economic development and civilization. And then the conclusion of his work is that tragically, having achieved that level of economic affluence, invariably they lose all principles of sexual restraint, thereby condemning themselves to the collapse of their culture once again. Remember Joseph Daniel Unwin. U-N-W-I-N. The magic and the power of sex linked to the magic and power of money. And we see this in a number of different ways. One of the interesting areas is that we constantly hear about income inequality, don't we? The left is frantically and frenziedly focused on what to do about income inequality. The answer, my friends, is frighteningly simple. All you've got to do is focus not on income inequality, but marriage inequality. The painful fact, which is readily available, the information and the data is there, but you will never read it in the pages of, Time, of, a new, of the New York Times or any other left-wing organization. The, the fact is very simple, and that is poverty in America has nothing to do with skin color. By the way, U.S. Department of Labor Statistics shows this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Do you know what poverty has to do with in America? Who are the poorest people in America? African Americans? Not true! The poorest people in America are single men. Black women dramatically out-earn single white guys. So why is poverty so concentrated in America's black community? It's very simple because thanks to government policies since 1960, marriage has been all but destroyed in the African-American community. When you make sure that a society is made up of single women and single men, you are setting them all on the inevitable path to debilitating poverty. It's unavoidable. Well, okay, that was the uh, end of the second segment of the speech, uh, a speech I gave at uh, Freedom Fest Libertarian Financial Conference in Vegas on Friday the 21st, a week ago. And um, the, uh, the topic, obviously, uh, poverty and uh, defeating poverty and the connection between singleness and poverty. At any rate, uh, the, uh, the resource that we have prepared at a special price for listeners to the show uh, on this particular week is called Boost Your Income, Three Spiritual Strategies for Success, and you'll see it uh, advertised at a special price on the website, rabbidaniellappin.com. So please head over there, 
And while you're there, make sure you're subscribed to uh, Thought Tools. Make sure you're subscribed to Susan's Musings. We also have a very popular feature called Ask the Rabbi. We send that out once a week as well. So all of that at you, uh, excuse me, at rabbidaniellappin.com. Head over there, and uh, after this quick break, we'll continue with the third segment of my speech in Vegas last week. I hope you're enjoying it. There's still more to come from Rabbi Daniel Lappin on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. We now return with Rabbi Daniel Lappin on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, you faithful listeners to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. Um, we are going to pick up now the third of four segments of my speech in Las Vegas. And uh, I was just talking about the link between being single and being poor, the connection between money and marriage, and speaking about how real that is. So uh, let's continue now with the speech, and I'll be back with you uh, in 10 minutes or so as we come to the end of this segment. And so this linkage is one that is well known. Uh, other than a few outliers of the recent few decades where we do find the occasional single guy who comes up with an app for a technology that does fantastically well, this is an outlier. Uh, throughout the history of American uh, economic enterprise, wealth in America has been built and created by people in long-term stable marriages. That is absolutely reliable data. Uh, the heads of the Fortune 500, all the people in the C-suites of Fortune 500 companies, 95% of them still on their same first marriages. The connection between marriage and money, absolutely inescapable. And so, it's not an accident that the left, in, in all its manifestations, whether it's the, the, the fierce or the feeble, whether it's communism or socialism, whether it's the works of Marx and Engels, or whether it's the uh, modern progressivism, it doesn't matter. The one thing you can rely on is implacable hostility from the left towards finance and family. Everything being done to reduce your ability to create, build, and sustain a strong family. Everything from what many people still call public education, but what I call GICs, GICs, it's a, it's a very important term, government indoctrination camps. And um, people willingly send their children there, believing that they're getting an education without any moral or philosophical indoctrination. In the majority of cases, the truth is they're not getting an education, but what they are getting is moral and philosophical indoctrination, uh, hostility to private enterprise and finance, and hostility to traditional sexual re rules, restraints, and rituals, and hostility towards the family. 
marks and angles were, were, were quite flagrant and open uh, about how important it was to shatter family and to destroy the idea of private property. Why? It's very simple. Who do you think are the last people to turn to government? People with strong functional families. People with strong families don't look at the government as first recourse. You know who else doesn't need the government? People who've got a few dollars in their pocket. And so if you want to build up dependency to justify an ever-growing juggernaut of state power, what you want to make sure is that people do not have families and that people do not have their, in their own independent financial ability. Now, the connection between sex and money, it, it's, it's so powerful, it's, it shows up all the time. For instance, the very first question, you'll pardon me, but the very first question that doctors ask a man who comes in with ED or sexual dysfunction of any kind, first question the doctors ask, are you under financial stress? Speak to any doctor. Unfortunately, over the last few decades in America, we've had uh, an opportunity to collect a lot of data on this. Ever, for, ever since the Rust Belt began, when the steel industries around Pittsburgh began to collapse, the Northeast Rust Belt, we were able to watch the stunning increase in male sexual dysfunction. Horrible, but yes, if you strip away a man's ability to make money, his sexual potency evaporates. Wow. Well, does the same thing work with women? Well, it doesn't seem that way. On the contrary, a funny thing happens. The more money that a man makes, the better his sexual opportunity and life becomes. How about the more money that a woman makes? And we discover something startling, and that is her opportunities shrink. Her likelihood of being able to find a man to whom she wants to be married diminish drastically. Why is that? What is going on there? Well, you see, the absolute worst feeling for any man is impotence. And just a hop and a skip, this side of impotence, is not feeling needed. And when a man feels not needed, it's only a step from there to deep, deep unhappiness. When is a man not needed? Well, when he marries a woman who makes much more money than he does. Now, again, with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm speaking on principles here rather than on people, which is to say that I'm quite sure that many of you know exceptions to some of the things I am citing dramatically as rules. And yes, there are exceptions, I even know a few myself, but overwhelmingly, among the, the people I've spoken with, the people I've explored, and the data that is freely available out there, marriages where the man either earns very little or nothing and plays the role of house husband while the woman is making a lot of money, those marriages do not seem to last very long. 
either or both of them begin to have outside relationships. Why? Because women prefer men who make more money than they do. Now, I know this sounds frightfully regressive, and in any other circumstances, I would anticipate being stoned for a statement like that. But um, anybody with the right chromosomes knows that that's a reality. Women prefer being, and by the way, don't call out gold digger. They are absolutely right. Because when you're going to marry somebody, when you're going to marry a man, you can't possibly know all the things you wish you could know in advance about what life is going to be like with that guy. But if he's a guy who's making money, you actually know more things about him than you could possibly know in any other way. You know what you know? You know that he is engaged in pleasing other human beings. And you know that he has a job. And you know that he understands the value of service. All of those things are vital prerequisites for making money. Valuable indeed. I've, I've often said that when my daughters bring home a gentleman, one of the very first questions I ask is, how do you please your fellow human beings? And he usually gives me a quizzical look. And then I say, well, I hate saying how do you make a living, because that sounds so selfish. That suggests that the only reason you go to work is to take care of your own needs, which I hope isn't the case. But okay, fine, what do you do for a living? Ladies and gentlemen, I'll let you into a Lappin family secret. Any young man whose answer is, starts with the word well, that means unemployed. If I say, what do you do for a living, and the answer is not forthright and straight, I get very worried. Because when a man is making some money, that tells me a whole lot about him right there off the bat. There are two stories in the children's literature canon. One of them you'll be very familiar with. The other, some of you may never have heard of. The two stories are Cinderella and the princess and the peasant. Two separate stories. One of them you all know, Cinderella meets the prince and becomes the, the queen. And the other one is the princess is going for a walk in the forest one day and she finds this noble peasant and she marries him and they live happily ever after in the hut in the forest. Which do you think more accurately matches how the world really works? Is there any question in your mind? Today it's politically incorrect as if I care uh, to, to speak of uh, flight attendants, stewardesses, but uh, it's not that long ago where all stewardesses were young and beautiful. Do any of you remember that day? These days, these days, my advice to you is travel Singapore Air. Do not travel United. Do not travel American. You know, if, if you enjoy the aesthetic part of flying. But in those days of which I speak, it was very common and very ordinary for first-class travelers to date and end up marrying the flight attendants that they met on a flight. So much so that you can actually easily get in 
to some of the early stewardess training programs and the material online where they speak of the absolute standard rate of losing flight attendants in those days stewardesses to what? To marriage. And they just accepted that. They didn't try and put in place a silly rule like stewardesses are not allowed to date first class passengers. Made no sense. How often do you think it ever happened that a female high earning business executive took up with the male flight attendant? How often did that happen? As far as I know, never. Cinderella works. The princess and the peasant absolutely does not. Uh, that was the third segment of my speech, and uh, I do hope you're enjoying it. Do let me know, by the way, either on uh, the comments on SoundCloud or preferably uh, by shooting me a note at my website. When you go over to RabbiDanielLappin.com, there's an opportunity to contact us, and many of you have discovered that I respond personally to a good number of the letters we get, but I absolutely do read them all, and I appreciate them all very much indeed. Uh, for somebody to take the time and the trouble to write to me is not something I take lightly. Um, so there we are. We've just uh, finished that segment. I referred to Cinderella and the, po and the uh, peasant and the princess. Everyone knows the Cinderella story. The peasant and the princess story is kind of the, the reciprocal of that. It's the, you know, the princess goes out on a walk one day and finds this noble, penniless peasant in the forest. They fall in love and live happily ever after. And uh, one of these stories is more likely than the other, and I know that my audience knows exactly which one is true to life, which one works, and which one is a hopeless fantasy. Uh, the website is rabbidaniellappin.com, and if you do not want to live in a hopeless fantasy of poverty, if you do not want to do nothing but daydream of the rich princess coming by one day, then you want to boost your income, which funnily enough is exactly the name of the resource that we're highlighting at a special discount for show listeners this week. It's called Boost Your Income, the three spiritual strategies for success. But if you've been listening to the show up till now, you already know that. So uh, let's not have me spend any more time lambasting you about this. Instead, just let's make it easy on us both. We'd go to Rabbi Daniel Lappin and read about it. You'll see there if that is something which is useful. If not to you, then to somebody in your orbit who desperately needs, even if they don't know it yet themselves, need to totally reorient their outlook towards revenue and income. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and uh, right after this break, we're going to pick up with the fourth and final segment of this uh, particular speech. I'm hoping that uh, you are enjoying it. I really am. You're listening to Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Find more at theblaze.com slash radio. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Rabbi Daniel Lappin returns with more of how the world really works on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Hello, I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Thanks so much for listening to the speech of mine that I gave about a week ago in Vegas. And uh, we're about to enter now the, the fourth and final segment. 
I just explained that the uh, story of Cinderella is very real. Uh, women do marry upwards financially, and as I've explained also in other ways, and uh, men uh, tend to, to, to marry women that uh, make them feel needed and powerful and, uh, and useful. Um, the, um, so uh, we're now going to try and wrap up the, the argument and bring the whole thing in for a landing um, over the next 10 minutes or so as we wrap up the speech. Uh, I do hope you're enjoying it, I really do, and if not, then uh, uh, my apologies. So many of you have, have written in the past to, whenever I have replayed a speech I've done, so many of you have written to uh, to to say yes, uh, we, li we liked it and we enjoyed it. So I hope that's true, I hope you're not just trying to be nice to me, but um, uh, at any rate, here it is, and uh, we're just about to return now, picking up the, the fourth and final segment of the speech. I'll join you again in about 10 minutes to wrap up and say goodbye. And so this interconnection between sex and money seems to be very real in the world, and that ignoring it is something we do at our own folly. One of the, 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 the biggest problems when marriages run into difficulties, every marriage counselor knows. The very first most likely culprit is money problem. Everybody knows that. And what makes marriages so much smoother and so much easier? When men are making good money. It's critical, it's important, and it is how the world really works. Now, I want to ask you a few questions. In these egalitarian days, would you or would you not agree with me that although in the tribal and primitive past from which we have all thankfully liberated ourselves, it used to be the prerogative of the man to go down on one knee and hold a ring up to a young lady and say, would you make me the happiest man in the world by marrying me, right? Now we live in more enlightened and egalitarian times. Therefore, it would make perfect sense, I think, to anticipate that 50% of marriage proposals today are from the woman to the man, and 50% of the proposals today are from the man to the woman. Would you not agree? What do you think it's like in the real world? How many marriages do you know that came about because the woman went on one knee and said, put a ring on my finger, honey, I want to make you the happiest man in the world. Uh, the, actual, the actual number is about zero. Now, you may not believe me, and you'd be right. Be skeptical, because I'm speaking of things that are, are shocking and disturbing. So what you do is go on, um, on, uh, on YouTube and look for proposal fails. The total calamities that are so mortifying, they will make you as a viewer squirm in embarrassment and discomfort. And all of them are when the woman tried proposing to the guy. It doesn't work! But why not? Because, ladies and gentlemen, sex is a spiritual phenomenon, not a material one. I'll ask you another question. On any ordinary day in any large American city, how many opportunities do you have to notice a car in which the front seats are occupied by a man and a woman? Hundreds, right? In how many of those cases is the woman driving and the man is riding shotgun? Or as my, uh, one of my children says, used to say, gunshot. 
Um, how does it work? Yes, I know there's bound to be somebody here who says, whenever we go anywhere, my wife drives. God bless you, it's wonderful, you're lucky. But in the overwhelming majority of cases, the guy drives. Why in today's enlightened times do we not find that 50% of the time, the woman says, honey, toss me the keys, I'm driving. Never happened in my family, but I may be exceptional. But it doesn't seem to happen with too many other people either. Because guys need to drive. Don't laugh. It's true. It's serious. I don't mean is it a joke at all. It's a spiritual need that the good Lord built into the human male. And the woman who undermines that in any way whatsoever doesn't end up with a man who matches her ideal matrix. She ends up with a man she can't wait to get rid of. And the, and the last question I ask you is a little bit more complicated. But if you stay with me for just another two minutes, I think you will find edification to be well worth the struggle. We all know that the average height of men in the United States, you all know we have ample data on the human population of the United States of America. So when I tell you we have good data on heights of men and women, it's true. Gee, I'm sorry. It's absolutely true. So you're not going to be surprised to hear that on average, men are significantly taller than women. Yes, there is Venus Williams, there is Michelle Obama who stand at six foot plus, and you've got Michael J. Fox who's short. But in general, men are taller than women. Right? That's, that's straightforward. Now, here is the interesting thing. If I were to ask you, of the couples you see, and you see hundreds of couples every week on the streets and events, and even right here at Freedom Fest, I want you to think and tell me what percentage of those couples is the man taller than the woman, approximately. 80%, somebody said 90%, 98% somebody said. And if you said over 90%, you'd be right. Over 90% of the couples you see, the man is taller than the woman. Right? I've got exceptions in my family. Of course, there are exceptions. But the huge majority of couples, the man is taller than the woman. So you would now be thinking, and I don't mean to mislead you in any way, but what you'd all be thinking now is, well, it's obvious he's already told us that men are average taller than women. So the fact that couples happen to be overwhelmingly men taller than the woman, it's pretty obvious and pretty clear. But there's a big but here. You know what it is? The big but is that if you did a computer random matching of every man and every woman in the United States of America, completely randomly, and you did this again and again and again and again, at no time do you reach a point at which more than 60% of the couples have the man taller than the woman. In other words, left to the statistical reality of men being taller than women, about 60% of couples would have the man taller than the woman, but it's over 90%. What are the conclusions? There's only three conclusions. Women prefer taller men, men prefer shorter women, and or both. Those are the only possibilities. Is it possible 
that women want a man that they can look up to, both figuratively and literally? Maybe. Ladies and gentlemen, to bring us in for a landing, let's just talk of a few of the similarities between marriage and making money. And there are many more you can think of. Number one similarity is that both require another human being. You cannot make money if there are no other people on the planet. You can only make money by interacting with another one of God's children. You want a sexual relationship, there's got to be one other person involved. Point number two, in both making money and having sex, the best way is to focus on making the other person happy. Focus on pleasing your customer, focus on pleasing your partner, and both of those things are absolutely correct. In both cases, your activity has the potential of yielding a creation that is much bigger than the parties who did the creating in the first place. If you start a business with somebody, it can become anything. And if you start a child with somebody, it can also become anything. Both making money and having sex, both have the capacity to produce a creation vastly bigger than the creators themselves. And perhaps another one is that both those activities work best when there is no outside interference. If a man and woman have a relationship, it really doesn't work well if anybody whether it's the government or your three-year-old toddler barges into the bedroom. Not a good thing. Outside interference is bad. When two individuals freely contract with one another in an economic transaction, outside interference is terrible. In this case, it's almost inevitably governmental. And the last one of which I'm going to tell you, but there's, there's plenty more for you to play around with, uh, the last one is that um, in both those activities, the conception is more fun than the execution. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been most kind and I appreciate your attention. And uh, that is it, my loyal listeners and faithful friends. Thank you for being part of the show. Thank you always to those of you who put a little effort into promoting the show, inviting other folks to join and listen and get involved. I really appreciate that very much indeed, because the more people that participate, the more effectively I can do my job. Well, until next week, here on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, all that remains is for me to say thank you so much. Have a wonderful week, a week of good health and prosperity. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless. The Blaze On Demand. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin.